Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Hoop Jack Podcast Series. I'm your host, Christopher Armistead, and with me, as always, is Jake Atkins as my co-host. And today we have a special guest, a junior from Hampton University on Hampton University's basketball program, Dan Bannister. Dan, Dan, it's good to have you on the show. How you doing? So, uh, heading into your junior year of basketball, is that right? Yes, sir. Uh, uh, how do you enjoy? I know we had a little bit of struggling with COVID, so how did that affect a lot of the basketball season for you? Um, it was it didn't uh, affect us that much. Uh, the only thing I would say would affect that affected us the most was probably not having fans. That was very weird. It was a a very empty gym. It was almost like playing pickup, and uh, but in a big gym. It was. <laughs> So it was pretty much like playing in the bubble, right? No exactly. fans. It was like playing in the bubble, exactly. Just yeah, exactly. That had to have been, you know, a pro and a con. On the one hand, you 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 don't have fans, and on the other hand, you don't really have a lot of people screaming at you. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. There was no energy, but at the same time, yeah, you, you didn't have anybody telling you you suck in the stands either. So you know. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of can feel that. Um, so we're gonna get right into it with our first segment, our this day in history segment, and. Jake, what's our what's today in history or even yesterday in history that was so eventful? Yesterday we had a little bit more than today. So the only thing really big from from yesterday was that in 2014 LeBron explained that he's leaving Miami, coming home to Cleveland. So the, you know the last segment we talked about how LeBron left Cleveland, but yesterday's day in history, LeBron came back home to eventually lead the Cavs to a championship. But today's a little bit slow of a day. Um, the only thing notable that happened on this day in history was in 2006, Brandon Roy set the summer league scoring record with um, 35 points in one game against the Phoenix Suns. So the one with LeBron, I, I think Dan Gilbert said it best, where he kind of, he technically went to Miami, which was like, he technically went to college for four years. He spent four years in Miami and came back home. And I think that's kind of really like the point where it's like, you know, I think leaving Miami, it gave him that, you know, he had his fun. He, he got his rings, he got his championship, but I think he, we all talk about how, you know, LeBron left to go join a super team. Well, he came back and won a title for Cleveland. And I think that's really what people need to remember that as. Yeah, he could have he was the villain for that, but he came back and became a hero for the city. He brought right. back that energy to the city of Cleveland. And in my opinion, Brandon Roy, uh, he should have been Brandon Roy was a god on the basketball court. He was supposed to be he was supposed to be like the next best thing. He was a shooter, he was a player. Oh, he could do everything on the for right. Portland. Oh my goodness. He was supposed to be that and then some. Um, he actually, ha- he's had a pretty decent coaching career, too. Yeah. Spent a where lot is, of time he, where is he at level. now? Is he high school coaching? Last I heard he was. Let me double check on that. Yeah, because he had really good seasons with, and he was the main guy in Portland, even when, like, you know, Greg Oden was there. But, you know, Greg Oden's time was short. Right. He still had a, he still was the star on that team. Yeah. He coaches at Garfield High School in Seattle. Okay, so he's he's coaching up there in Seattle, doing his thing. Um, and heading to that game three was last night. Bucks finally won a game. 
They win an yeah. important one at home, one twenty to one hundred. And but Phoenix still leads the series two to one. Giannis had forty-one points, thirteen rebounds, <laughs> and four out of the five starters for the Bucks were in double figures. Phoenix was struggling. Booker went three of fourteen in twenty-nine minutes for the Suns, and and CP3 was really frustrated with how the team played. Are is Phoenix in trouble, or is Phoenix going to be able to rebound after this loss? Uh, Dan, we'll start with you. Is Phoenix in trouble? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I think uh, Giannis is going to continue to do what he's doing. You know, the forty points or whatever, but. He, he's not going to be able to do that by himself. You know, he's going to have um, Chris and everybody hitting shots. And uh, they haven't been doing that consistently. So I think the Suns will be fine. They have a lot of pieces to be able to win the game without relying on one person. Right. Off night for Devin Booker. Usually he has good numbers. I think playing in a tough and dear district, it's going to be tough. But, Jake, what yeah. do you think? You know, I said it whenever – Whenever Phoenix went up two to nothing, that it's still not time to panic for Milwaukee because Phoenix did what they're supposed to do. They won at home. That's what Milwaukee did. They won at home. Um, I still don't see this being like too challenging of a series going forward for Phoenix. I think Phoenix is the better team, even though Giannis is the better player. But when you when you go down two to nothing, especially with a guy as good as Giannis, you've got that that pressure to win that game and it kind of like elevates everybody around you because that third that third game when you're down two to nothing that's a must win game right so it's not it's not time to to hit the panic button for phoenix i think they'll be okay right and i think that you know like dan said giannis can still put up the big numbers but without uh chris middleton hitting without drew holiday hitting drew holiday it needs to start playing on both ends of the field, like he, both ends of the court, like he did last night. He did right. well offensively and well defensively versus the two games in Phoenix. He was a monster defensively, but offensively, him or Chris Middleton could hit. Right. And I think, like like you said, Dan, I think if they want a chance, if they want to win game four, they need to do like they did in game three and hit, hit the shots as well as stay sharp on defense they held Devin Booker down and even though Chris Paul was still hitting DeAndre Aiden had to take more of a workload because guys were not hitting their shots right but like I think we all said I think Phoenix still has the edge wise as far as the team and how it looks on paper I still got Phoenix but it's still more like six I still got Phoenix in six Jake, okay. you said you have Phoenix in how yeah, many five? I'm going with the gentleman sweep. I think four to one. You think four to one? Hmm. Uh, Dan, what do you think? I don't know. That's interesting. I, the five sounds good. I think it's possible. I think it definitely is possible, but I, I don't know. I, I'm going to go with uh, Phoenix and six. I think like Bucks might pull out another one. Phoenix and six? All right. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, if Phoenix does going with that if phoenix and chris paul win the title this year is he and is he a top five point guard of all time i feel like he most definitely will be no doubt about it he's 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 been in the game so freaking long like i, I don't even i probably wasn't really even watching basketball when at the time he started playing it was but watching him and seeing how like he coaches up players, I wouldn't say his skill set alone would put him above and beyond other guards. 
he may not be like the most athletic or whatever, but he is most definitely a general of the floor. And that would put him just being a general of the floor and being able to have that skill set that he has. I think that would put him definitely in the top five. And now that he's getting, if he gets his ring, which you know what that's what we've been waiting for. Um, I feel like that would most definitely solidify his spot in the top five position. All right, Jake, what do you think? <clears throat> Let's talk about it. I think we we could all pretty much agree Magic Johnson number one. Mm. Yeah. Behind Magic Johnson, personally, I have Jerry West. Being Ooh. from West Virginia, Ooh. I, I oh. can't put, <laughs> I gotta put my guy at number two. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And then That's I, I've got Isaiah at three. Steph okay. at four, maybe a little too early on that one because he's still playing. Right. But I think the five spot right now is John Stockton. Okay. I think okay. I think I I couldn't I can't say Chris Paul deserves to be top five because I can't say John Stockton does not deserve to be top five. Right, right. I'm right. calling it five A and five B right now with Chris Paul and John Stockton. But if Chris Paul gets a championship, I think I would give the edge to him over Stockton, but I can't get myself to say that both of them don't deserve to be top five. I think there's six players that are 100% the top five point guards of all time. Okay. Right. I, I get what you mean. It's interesting you would put Jerry West up there. Uh, he was a great player, and he's the logo, but still, that's interesting. <laughs> you would have him at two. Maybe I, 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 it was, yeah, what? The logo is not officially Jerry West. The NBA does not claim that that is Jerry West because they would have to pay him royalties on everything they sold for using his image. Wow. The NBA I, denies that that is Jerry I West. I feel like they're denying it because they know it's Jerry yeah, West. Yeah, it's Jerry honest. West. To it's be Jerry honest, West. it is Jerry West. They just don't want to pay him. Right. Jerry West has all that money. And I think... Yeah, they they so have to pay him. Yeah, so it's interesting your top five. Dan, What do you? who do you think is your top five mm. all-time point guards? I would go with um, Magic number one for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Jerry West, that that got me. Um, <laughs> just think about that at number two. But um, number two, I probably put. Uh, what we're gonna put for number two. I would. I'm gonna like you said. Curry's still playing. He's not not number two, but Curry's still playing. So it's hard to uh, say where he would rank at the end of his career. Mm-hmm. But, um, man, I'm having a brain fart. Um, it's, it's all right. Let me see. So, yeah, Magic at number one. I will put, I can't think of the name slipping my mind. I have his face in my, in my, uh, <laughs> in my mind, but I cannot think of his name. Um, what team? Uh, not the, Man, you thinking oh. Oscar? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, okay. Oscar Robertson at two. Yeah, I was that. And then number three, I'm, I'm gonna say same Curry. I would put Curry at three. Um, number four, I, I'm gonna personally, I'm gonna put um, AI. Okay. Ooh, okay. And then number five, uh. I want to throw Isaiah in there, but no, it's it's between. I would say the same. I, I I don't know about. I want to put John Stockton up there, but there's so many freaking people. Like he said, like he has a five A and a five B. I, I want to put like 
30 people in the well, I'm gonna have to put a 5C because I completely forgot Oscar too. Right. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's a lot. It's so many different guards that have just been great. Really good. Yeah, they've been yeah. great over the years. Right. Yeah, that's why I was, I was thinking so hard. I couldn't. Uh, for a lot of people's top five, it is different. Because mine would be I'd put Magic up at one, I'd put Isaiah at two. Okay. I put Steph at three. I completely Oscar, forgot it. Oscar Robertson at four. If Chris Paul wins the championship, I'll put him at five. If he doesn't win the championship, I'm going to put John Stockton still there. Now, okay. Chris Paul has the numbers to technically be over John Stockton. I just want to see how his playoff run goes. Right. It's like it's like we all have. We have a 5A, 5B, and 5C. My 5A would be John Stockton. My 5B would be Chris Paul. My 5C would be Allen Iverson. And that's, you know, that's what I would have. And I think what's crazy is, you know, we all have, you know, we all pick Magic Johnson as number one. Like he's, without a doubt, probably the greatest point guard to ever play the game of basketball. His IQ was way up there, and his teammates were lucky to have him. Right. So he was just right. so much, so much advanced in his in his style. In his time, his yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, he was way ahead of his time. It wasn't even close. No. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna take a quick break. We come when we come back. We're gonna have a one-on-one with our special guest and talk about uh, his career and his path towards college basketball. So stay tuned. And we're back. So before the break, I had talked to you about we are going to be talking with our special guest today, who is Dan Bannister of Hampton University's basketball program. So, Dan, how has the transition been from playing at a private school? Because you played at Cape Henry Collegiate School based out of Virginia Beach, Virginia. And your decision to go to Hampton University, what made you what what was your decision behind choosing Hampton University? Uh, so I'll start with my uh, transition. It's, it was a, uh, I wouldn't say it was a rough transition, but it was very different. It was a very different atmosphere uh, because in all reality, you know, Cape Henry is a predominantly white high school. And then you go, I'm, you know, I'm going to an HBCU now, which is predominantly black. So, you know, it was complete, two completely different atmospheres um, mm-hmm. while playing and while not playing when it came to academics as well. You know, um, but I would say the good thing is um, if we wanted to talk about academics, what Cape Henry did uh, prepare me for the academic side at uh, Hampton. So that part wasn't too much of a transition. But uh, basketball wise, I would say the hardest thing for me was probably the physicality. These guys were so much bigger than I was coming (laughs) coming into my uh, freshman year you know I'm playing against guys that are 23 24 years old you know I'm 19 years old it it was a very rough uh start I would say yeah I think we all can say even for us that we had to kind of we had a wake-up call I know I did my freshman year playing against guys in division two and Jake I think you can relate as well yeah when I when I came out of high school I was like the third or fourth ranked player in my class for tennis and I, I come into college thinking that I'm you know I'm gonna have some good success but we we had a 
freaking top 25 player in the country on my team. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, didn't even, I didn't even sniff the lineup. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, it is a big transition from going to, you know, the private school, small kind of school that Cape Henry was to a much larger even though even though Hampton University is private, it's more it's bigger and uh, you face a lot more competitiveness. Right. As far as a co- college basketball program, considering that Hampton U is Division One. Um. So, what are some of the goals that you have coming up for your junior season, both on and off the court? Okay. Um. Well, I don't know if I uh, I told you when I uh, saw you last, but uh, I had an injury last season. Mm-hmm. Um, I tore my quad muscle in February. I had surgery in February, so um, I should hopefully, uh, God willing, I'll be released to play this month. Um, and really, I want to capitalize on what I was doing last year. I, I was playing pretty well, I would say, uh, towards the end of the season, and then I was injured. But uh, on the court, I I want to be um, I want to average, you know, double figures. Uh, I want to uh, get close. I can to average on a double double. Uh, yeah, because I saw that you you had a season high last year, uh, eleven uh, with for points and uh, three point field goals made against Gardner Webb. You had eleven points and three 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 point field goals made, which was really good before the injury. And I know that you want to get it back out there, and you know you're you're ready to play. I can tell that you're ready to play. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's been, it's been killing me uh, watching the you know when I'm coaching those kids and everything that <laughs> it keeps me it keeps me alive, but it kills me at the same time because I want to be out there playing. Right, and then speaking of that, so do you have anything? Have you have you started to plan for life after college hoops? Like, is there like a dream or a goal? Thinking about playing somewhere else, playing overseas, or do you kind of just want to? have that college hoops experience and then just see where it goes so i actually i i would like to take the if i got the opportunity i would most definitely take it to go pro whether that's overseas professionally here wherever that would be um i want to play until i can't play anymore you know because like my dad always told me he's like you only get one body you know take advantage of it while you have it so mm-hmm. i will if i get the opportunity to play uh past college i would most definitely take it Right. So, and I think that's a good dream to have. So, I noticed that. Um, so, you're you're majoring in child psychology. Is that correct? Correct. correct. So, I and I and you had talked about earlier that you uh, give back to the basketball community by helping out with the Wave basketball program based out of Virginia Beach, Virginia. Shout out to Wave basketball and majoring in child psychology. What kind of impact or path? would you want to make with that like with child psychology as your major as well as coaching youth basketball is there something down the line that you would want to give back to the basketball community that way um yes i uh so it's actually funny i was just talking to the head coach about this the other day um because the way because okay so when i was let's say i was about 16 years old and uh, i used to work with in a nursery at my church and I used to have this this crazy connection with the kids. My mom's like, look, like, I don't know what it is, but you know, you have a gift, you know, you need to take advantage of it. So ever since then, you know, I really reached out. I would do camps, I would coach, I would do things like that because I just had a connection with the kids where they would, you know, they were they would listen to me 
they would hear what I'm saying, you know, I was able to connect with them on another level that other people weren't able to. So, um, and I, I started think that's, a, and I think that's really good because a lot of people nowadays, you know, when you when you find when people are noticing what kind of skills you do have and what kind of advantages you can have with that, I think that's really good to you know kind of teach the next generation of you know what you're good at and what your specialty is at to kind right. of lead and be, be a part of an example. Right, right, right. Um, but with um, with me uh, learning that ability, I started a, a nonprofit or- organization called Swag. It's uh, someone with anointed gifts. And the goal of that was to take kids that were in a, let's say a bad environment and show them that there were other things besides, you know, the classroom or the football field. You know, there was there was more to life than being able to just play sports and be good at sports or going to school. So with me coaching, I would I have a couple of players, you know, they don't have the best uh, home situations. And so, you know, when there's not a good home situation, they usually brains, you know, behavioral problems, different things like that. But with me being in child psychology, I can know that and I know how to approach the kid instead of, you know, just making the run like other coaches would do. Right. You want to be able to kind of, I'm not going to say like as a, like a parental figure, but you want to be someone who just takes the time to just get to know kind of them and their background and how you, what you can do to help them versus like you said, just yelling and screaming. Right. I think that's really good that we should have more coaches like that and I think we had a another guest who kind of mentioned like that where being a coach is making sure that you're taking care of somebody and not just you know bossing them around it's right it's you're affecting that child how you coach and what they're learning from that because if they're learning more by you yelling that's not helpful but if they're you're taking the time to get to know them and you're being a part of their life they're really going to appreciate that and right it's going to give back to them on the road yeah it's going to stay with them for the rest of their life mm-hmm. and i think that's really good and uh you said and the name of your program was called swag correct right and i think that's really good that you're doing that for not just community but for yourself as well because it's helping you grow as a person and showing that you are willing to give back to the community as well um but so that's been our one-on-one with dan banister um so we have reached the final segment which is our mindful moment which is you can talk about anything that's on your mind that you feel you can use a quote to kind of how you live by and you can just talk about whatever's on your mind that you feel is a current event or even something that just means so much to you. Uh, Dan, we'll start with you. What is your mindful moment? Hmm. Uh, my mindful moment uh, would probably let's see. It'd probably be I, um, I got this quote from I don't even remember who it was from but uh, it's, it's in my bio on Instagram. It's uh, life begins when your comfort zone ends. And I, uh, I truly live by that now. I, I got it uh, a couple years ago, uh, probably about five, six years ago. And I didn't really understand it. And I, you know, I brought it back home. You know, I went to a camp. I was like, Dad, you know, listen to what I learned, da, 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 da. And he was like, okay, okay. And he learned from me. And so, you know, he was like, okay. He came to me one day. He was like, you know, I really understood what you were saying the other day. I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, he was like, uh, when you told me that quote, life begins when your comfort zone ends. He was like, you know, I hate, I hate, he doesn't like public speaking. So, you know, he was like, you know, I took that 
fear of public speaking and I made it my strength, you know, and since then, you know, he's flourished with public, public speaking and, you know, he's, he doesn't have the fear anymore. So, you know, and things have been progressing since then, whether uh, that's with the business and outside of the business. So I would say, you know, always take that extra step, always move outside your comfort zone. It's never good. If you're sitting inside your comfort zone, you're not, you're not living your life right. You're not going to get any better in whatever you're trying to do. So, you know, you got to step outside your comfort zone if you want to elevate in life, wherever, whatever uh, aspect of life you're talking about, job, school, life in general, with friends, family, you know. Right. And I think that that goes a long way because if you're staying in your comfort zone, you're not taking the risks that you would in life. Right. Versus when you're out of your comfort zone, you're taking a risk. And it, it doesn't matter if it ends up good or bad. The fact is that you took that risk. And you're learning something from that. Right. And I think that goes a long way towards how we need to live life when if we take the risk, it doesn't matter whether it's good or bad, we're learning something from it. Right. And I think that's really that's really mindful. Uh, thank you for sharing with that with us. Uh, Jake, what about you? I'm going to use a quote that one of my professors in college, Dr. Pruger, shared with me um, probably the first day of my freshman year when I was in classes, he said, you master life when you master your emotions. And by that, he means nobody has any control over my emotions the way I feel. I, I have the ability to dictate how I react and how I handle certain situations. And it's not necessarily a mindset of like, something bad happens, I'm going to ignore it and, and just, you know, not worry about it because they, like pain demands to be felt. So if you can if you can feel it and still maintain your composure, still maintain yourself, then you're you're going a long way in life. Mm. Right. And I think that does speak volumes with everything going on. Yeah. Um so and then my mindful moment is a quote by Derek Jeter, and I know he's retired and played baseball, but he said there may be people that have more talent than you but there's no excuse for anyone to work harder than you. And I think that goes a long way towards, you know, how if we work hard for what we want, we can achieve, we can have a chance to achieve it. But if we're not working hard at all, then someone else is taking it away from you. And I think we've all had that experience where we've worked hard to, you know, go to college to play sports or go to college to get a degree or work hard to get a job. And I think that even if the fact that you work hard and you don't get it, at least you worked hard for it. At least you tried hard to work on it, whether it's yourself, whether it's for work, whether it's your life. It doesn't matter. As long as you work hard, the outcome will be different, whether it's good or bad. But the fact that you made it your absolute goal to work hard to achieve this goal will mean everything to you. And I think it does go a long way. You know, Mm -hmm. I actually used that quote in an interview for a promotion with my job. He did. <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they asked the question, what sets you apart from all the other candidates? And I, I said, you know, Derek Jeter said you might find people who are more talented, but you're not gonna find somebody who works harder. Hmm. Small world, you small world. Small world. Small world. but that's gonna be it for this episode of Who Jack. I wanna thank very much Dan Bannister. Uh, for joining us on this episode and being a part of the process. Thank you so much, Dan. Most definitely. All right. And you guys can always DM me for a co-host spot or comment any suggestions about the show. You can find us on our official Instagram account 
and Facebook at hoop underscore hoopjack underscore. There will be giveaways for my fans in the future, so be on the lookout for that. I want to thank everyone for listening and being a part of this show and getting to know us and Dan and you know the whole crew better. Looking forward to hearing from you guys about the show. And remember, don't be a bystander. Be a hooper and keep balling. Peace.